Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, my friends. Our number two of the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service. Scott Mosby answering all your questions. We've got a ton of folks on hold, but we invite you to join us as well. For, uh, here's the phone numbers, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Scott, all sorts of folks on hold. I say we, uh, we go right to them. What do you think? Well, yeah, off the air, we were comparing toolboxes, though. My wood tools and your auto tools, we've got stuff spread out all over the studio here. Maybe they'd like to join us on their favorite tools for the home, too. Well, and that, that, that may be, you know, uh, well, I, I guess I, I guess contractors, I mean, you guys really use air tools, too. you got the nailers and, the, oh, and, yeah. and, and things yeah. like that. So, you know, most Was I talking out of school? I shouldn't have told them what we're doing on no, the No, 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 I'm okay with that. You know, you know Scott, the, the thing is... I'm really old and fat now. I mean, I I can't use that hand wrench anymore. I've got to use if I can't use an air tool, I'm I'm you know I don't want to do it. Well, you mean wisdom has set in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> or laziness, yeah. one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the phones. I'm ready whenever. I just wanted to let them know what we were talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Here we go. Let's talk to. Uh, let's go and talk to Jim. Jim, you're up next on the Home Improvement Show. Jim. Hello, Jim. Jim, on your oven. Is it time for CPR, Jim? Oh, all right. Let's put Jim back on hold, and then we'll uh, we'll go. How about we talk to another Jim about a question about a crawl space? Let's talk to him. Jim, are you there? We have bad luck on Jim's here, Gregory. I'm, I'm thinking you're right. We're gonna put him back on hold too. Let's move on. How about we talk to David? David, are you there? How about, How about David? David? Oh, yes, there we go. David's here. Hi. Hey, hey David, David, go, go ahead. ahead. Hi, yeah. So I've got uh, ceiling uh, fans in my bathroom, of course, in the second floor, and uh, there's water damage around the perimeter of the fan where the fan is uh, slotted into the drywall ceiling. So um, I suspect it might be a condensation problem, but uh, maybe you could do two things. One, give me what the typical problem is there, and two, what's the best way to get that uh, warm, moist air up and out of the bathroom properly? Uh, David, I absolutely know that is a condensation problem. And any part of the fan body, the box itself, or even the ductwork, all the way through the roof sheathing has to be fully insulated, no exposed plastic if it's a plastic fan body, or metal, because those surfaces get very, very cold. And as soon as warm, moist air from the bathroom showering, uh, as soon as that moist air hits it, you will have water droplets form on the fan body itself. Sometimes that uh, fan body is underneath the insulation and it is not uh, getting condensation, but you'll have the air move up the ductwork that's typically uninsulated, and as that air moves up maybe 10, 20, 30 inches away from the fan, it finally cools off to the dew point, and then you wind up with literally a rainstorm of water running down the inside of that deck ductwork back into the fan body, 
Sometimes it'll drip on the floor or on the bather if you have it over the shower or the tub, or basically it'll just uh, leak in around the outside perimeter of the fan body itself and cause drywall or plaster damage. So the typical uh, solution, and there's only one, cover, which means completely cover, usually with spray foam, all of the above ceiling surfaces with insulation. So we typically spray foam around that metal fan body or plastic fan body. As soon as the ductwork comes up, we'll put one or two socks over it for uh, insulated flex ducts. So we pull the flex duct out of the insulation and we use those insulated socks. Sometimes you can buy those uh, insulated sleeves and we super insulate that all the way to the outside of the house, to the exterior building envelope, which means the shingle line. If it moves horizontally through the house uh, to a wall or a soffit, you've got to insulate it and seal it from dripping because, and likewise, if you've got a long run, say more than 10 feet, uh, you need to tape all of those metal duct joints and then slope that ductwork to the outside uh, so that that water drains to the exterior. Typically, we like to take it through the roof because it's the shortest distance and we hope that condensation dew point happens outside the home, but uh, there is no room for error. Any little one penny or one small spot that is left uninsulated will still cause condensation and you'll see that roof damage, albeit, you know, it'll take a longer time. It's absolutely condensation, David. All right, David, thank you so much for the phone call. Let's move on. We got, uh, let's go back and we'll talk to Jim with the oven question. Hey, Jim, you're up next yes. on the home, imp home improvement show. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Yes, sir. I've got two large uh, ovens in a drywall wall in my kitchen and I'm going to pull them out and change them to convection ovens, but the convection ovens are smaller. Should I pull those ovens and put in uh, the drywall and cut the holes to the size of the new convection ovens, or is that the best way to go about it? Uh, yeah, that's really the only thing you can do unless you're willing to take it out and turn it into a cabinet. But, uh, yeah, the convection ovens... Uh, be careful. Some of those need to be ventilated when you get into some of the upper brands when you're you know, buying a car, buying some of these appliances, when you pri price them up there. Sometimes they will even be uh, exterior ventilated um, for uh, controlling the heat gain inside the house in the summer. But yeah, you, uh -huh. now keep in mind the floor of that drywall box, Jim may need to be negotiated up because, uh, you know, and the wall's in. So read your installation instructions for those new convection ovens. But absolutely, uh, you will need to close in the drywall as well as back it with some wood so that if necessary, you can put some trim around the edge of that oven as well. Uh, oh, you need some, do you need some support for the backside of the end oven? Uh, for the trim you put on the backside of the insulation or on the drywall. So if you just have drywall, let's pretend that you go from a four-foot wide hole to a two-foot wide hole. You can't just put a foot of drywall on two sides because you slide that oven in. Number one, you tear up the drywall. Sometime. And then if you want to trim it with wood, there's nothing to nail to. So keep in mind, once you get the drywall trimmed around, uh, oftentimes those ovens will slide right in and cover with a lip 
so that it covers any edge damage. But if that is not the case, you need to glue some wood to the back side of that drywall so you can screw on some sort of a trim uh, uh, to close in around that opening. You follow what I'm saying there, Jim? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Very good. Most ovens will have a flange that slides right over, covers about an, a half-inch diameter all the way around for you know errors in, in out-of-square stuff and old and new appliances. But, yeah, it's, it's commonly done. Now, I will warn you here, um, it, the, the building code requires a four-wire 220 circuit for that. So you have uh, two powers a ground and a fourth wire chassis ground or safety ground so that if your ground wire were to fail you as the operator don't become the ground uh, path for that circuit so if you've got old wiring you're going to have only three wires in there two power and a ground you're not going to have that safety chassis grounding uh, wire so you may want to consider uh, rewiring that circuit all the way back to the electrical panel that is the right way to do it and uh, by the way it's it's for a safety reason and uh the life you save may be your own and then really yeah yeah just be i just want you to be aware on that uh, there are a lot of people that'll come in um that will change out appliances and not really address that electric there's a reason for that upgraded electric code, especially when you get into 220 volt appliances, you know, and those convections, some are 20 amp, most of them are 30. When you get into a double, they'll be easily a 30, maybe a 40 amp to run them both. But uh, just be aware that you may want to consider changing that home run wire. Talk to a licensed electrician. Uh, you know, I'm okay you making that decision one way or the other, but I don't want you to make a safety decision that puts your life at peril. All right, Jim, thanks so much for the uh, phone call. Scott, as always, you give such great advice. we got to do a little business, though, so uh, we're going to invite our folks to give us a call, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. You are listening to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service. Listen to KMOX in your car on your radio.com app at work. Stay connected. Welcome back, my friends, to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby here is answering all your questions. we got some folks on hold. We're going to get to them. Also, if you want to join us, though, it's real easy. All you have to do is give us a call, 314-436-7900. 1-800-925-1120. Whoop, wrong pot there. Hey, Scott, and uh, I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of folks on hold, and I think we just take phone callers from now on. Let's do it. All right, let's go, and how about we talk to the other Jim? How about we see if we can get him now? Jim with the crawl space, are you there? About the oh, moisture yeah. barrier. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes go, go ahead, ahead Jim. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask you, uh, Scott, about the moisture barrier uh, in my crawl space. So the mill thickness, uh, what do you recommend uh, for the plastic? Uh, depends how far you're going to go, Jim. Uh, no less than six mil on a moisture barrier when you're laying it on the soil. Uh, and it should be taped at the seams, uh, but typically whether it's a clear or a black uh, color, it doesn't really matter. I like the 
clear because I can see the water droplets below it when I visually inspect it. Uh, but six mil, it should lap up on the wall a good six inches or more. That's one answer. The next answer gets even deeper, and it gets to one of our caller's questions about uh, unventilated or ventilated or you totally don't vent this crawl space, close over the vents, and you line the whole thing, uh, insulate the inside of your uh, crawl space, concrete or concrete block, whatever the foundation material is, and then you run that um, moisture barrier, or I call it a swimming pool liner, up over the face of the walls and up to the sill or sole plate of that framing for the house. Uh, but in a simple, traditional, vented crawl space, uh, six mil uh, moisture barrier taped at all the seams, and I like to see it go up about six inches on the wall. Ideally, keep the humidity to a minimum that comes from the hydration through the soil. Great. Uh, yeah, and you answered my question about the clear of the black. So, I, uh, yeah. And then uh, what kind of insulation do you recommend in the uh, floor joists? Uh, well, again, it gets to that same vented or unvented, Jim. Uh, if you're going to go ahead and insulate the floor joist and you have a nice vapor barrier on the floor, you can go ahead and use a fibrous, uh, a fiberglass, a uh, rock wool, uh, whatever kind of material. I don't necessarily like to use um, the wood fiber on the insulation. So, uh, you know, I typically stay with an artificial fiber um, when I'm doing that. Now, if you're going to have an unvented crawl space where the insulation goes on the wall of the foundation, you then do not insulate the floor because that whole crawl space becomes like a basement or what we contend, what we consider uh, semi-conditioned. And then you do not put insulation on the floor, but you put it on the outside wall. And then you have to dehumidify the inside. Once you have an unvented crawl space, when you're going for, you know, what is now the current building science without ventilation, you have to really insulate it one or two inch foam uh, to either sprayed or attached to the walls. And then when you put that big uh, impervious liner in, it typically gets to be like a swimming pool liner, gets to a 20 or 30 mil thickness. And, you know, you're, you're really going for the gold and, and insulating as well as moisture controlling that crawl space. All right, Jim, thanks so much for the uh, phone call. Let's move on. And how about we talk to Diane? Guess what, Diane? You're up next on the Home Improvement Show. Woohoo! What can we do for you? Um, yes, uh, we have our front porch. We built this house. It's 18 years old, and uh, the front porch has a crack that started and has gradually gone. It's like halfway through. It's like in the middle. And then it has gradually gone to where the concrete, they've divided it into, you yeah. know, different. Yep. So, um, and now I noticed that we have brick pillars on either side uh, coming into uh, the front door. And there's a crack that is right on the, um, like, where the square of the pillar is, there's a crack there now. Can I get away with just mud jacking, or do I need something more? Uh, how much has the concrete moved? Has it moved and misaligned? Is it moving away from those pillars? 
hasn't moved really. It's I just have noticed the crack. The crack is bigger um, on the outside than it is uh, going to the breakaway spot. So okay, yeah, it's like a little hairline crack, and then it gradually gets bigger as it goes to the outside of the porch. Um, I would I um. You've got enough going on there. We're in the middle of a drought, and the house is old enough at 18 years that it could be one of three or four things. I would have a professional come look at that. Uh, If you're not having settling or movement, your mud jacking would not be appropriate. But with this many cracks developing, and kudos, you know, good work by you to be aware and watch those things, uh, I would uh, I would get a checkup by the house doctor, somebody that knows what, what they're looking at, to come look at that and make a recommendation or analysis of what's going on, because sometimes that is the symptom, and it may, you know, let's pretend the soil has settled, you don't have proper support for that porch, which is very uh, typical in many of these homes, and it does show up until some years later and it may be putting an undue load on the side or ends where that concrete is resting on the foundation or intersects so it may not be just a porch problem the porch may be a symptom of something else which may or may not be anything at all so you know before I lose sleep I think I'd want somebody else to take a look at that one there's just a lot of things that could be all right Diane hope that answered your question thank you so much we got to do a little business here on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. We'll be right back. Stick around. You want to join us, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Hey, guys, it's Alex. And Amy. And the Blues are headed into the stretch run of the season. Do you hear that, Alex? What? It's the playoffs. No, it's not. And Wendy's Week in Hockey is your one-stop shop for the Blues, the NHL. You know, the hockey milieu. What the heck is milieu? It's French. A lot of hockey players speak French. Okay, that's two seconds of my life I'll never have. Back here, weekly player interviews, insiders from around the league, and even the fans' perspective. It's Wendy's Week in Hockey every Monday night from 7 to 9 on your home for the best Blues coverage, KMOX. No, I said I said my toolbox has more tools in it than yours does. Oh wait, hey, welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show here on KMOX, a Saturday at your service. Greg Damon, Scott Mosby, Scott's answering all your questions. We got our toolboxes here, and we're looking through them. And I, I still have way more tools than you do, Scott. Yeah, but I don't think you have powder actuated tools <laughs> where actually our CO2 cartridges are blowing things apart. No. I, we have cooler. We have way cooler tools. Oh no, well, no, no, no. Well, I will tell you that you know the uh, the, the the CO2 thing with that that is pretty cool. I I do have tool envy on that one. Well, yeah, but we don't blow anything up. You know, <laughs> you guys, you know, have to make it run longer times. We just have to, you know, drive a nail. So I'm gonna go ahead and call the truck and have them back up so we can uh, load these toolboxes <laughs> back up. So. <laughs> yeah, that'll take an hour or two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's go back to phones. Let's talk to Homer. Homer, guess what? You're up next on the Home Improvement Show. <clears throat> yeah, I, I have a home that that's 24 years old. 24 years old, and uh, a couple weeks back, the sewer backed up in my basement, and they come out and clean the clean unplug the sewer, and then they come out later and put a camera in there. And they about about ninety foot out from the house, they said there's a 
they run into water. So I was just wondering if I should have that dug up, or is that normal? If I should have that dug up and and uh, fixed, or what? What shall I do? Uh, Homer, did they make a recommendation after that camera inspection? Well, they yeah, they wanted to dig it out, but you know, I figured that's quite a bit of money. That's like five thousand dollars. You know, so if it's if there's a little water in there, uh, if there's a lot of water in there, it would be all the way back to the to the house, wouldn't it? Uh, well, what typically happens is you have a dip or a settling of the pipe. So instead of the pipe being straight and sloped consistently, either you have a break in the bottom, which in case I, if that was the case, I would dig it up. But if it's just a little bit of settling and it's only a half inch deep, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, if you have two or three inches of water sitting and there's only, say, three inches left, typically those outside pipes are six inches interior diameter, then you still have enough space, but it's time to start thinking about it. So uh, first off, I like that you camera inspected that sewer. Uh, And Homer, do you have the tape? Do you actually have a copy of that uh, visual inspection or camera inspection? No, I don't have but but uh <clears throat> they uh that's for my my line is four inch going out to the sewer. And that's about that water's about ten foot from the from the sewer line going going into the sewer line, so hmm. four inches in a twenty four year old house, Homer, where are you? Physically Illinois. located. Illinois? Uh wow. Uh, uh, usually we step them up to about six inches once they get outside the house and go to a vitreous china, uh, at least in my world. Um, uh, the four-inch can be in there. Um, on a four-inch, I don't know. I think I'd ask for a second opinion on that. Uh, the, those uh, camera things, uh, I think, are a fabulous inspection tool. But I, at, at this point, I would be vouching for whether that um, – a contractor uh, was um, guiding you correctly or not. So I think I'd ask for a second opinion uh, if you're worried about it. Now, uh, one other thing, Homer, there is a pressure washer cleaner that literally scours those pipes. It's like going to the dollar car wash where you actually have a pressure washer that just literally scours the inside of those pipes. And the other is a cutting tool. So if you pressure washed those pipes, Generally, those are pretty clear, but I would want to know, and I would make judgment for myself, how long that uh, standing water is. Because if it's only about 15, 20, even 3 feet long, I may not take action, but I would be aware that something's happening with my sewer on a failure level. So I I wouldn't, my opinion right now is it's not actionable today. Right now, it's not an emergency, but it will be sometime over the next five years. You're going to need some attention, I think, on that. I would ask for a second opinion to find out what's cooking. I agree, Scott. I think a second opinion is the way to go. Homer, thanks so much for the phone call. Let's move on and talk to Ron. Ron, guess what? You are up next here on the Home Improvement Show. Hello. How are you gentlemen doing? Good. Pretty good, Ron. Question on an expansion tank that I installed for my hot water tank. And the problem I had was getting the threads on the tank to seal to the dielectric threads on that fitting. I tried plumber's tape and then cleaned that off. And I tried uh, iron pipe dope and ended up 
cleaning that off and trying it like three, four times. And I ended up had to, I even put a new dielectric fitting on it. And um, I ended up just having to really tighten that very tight. And then it, it finally stopped. It was just a slow drip. You, might, you know, you might even have to wait overnight for it to, to, to drip. And I just didn't know if uh, there was some trick to that or it was just a fluke thing or something. No, Ron, I think you got a little bit of bum thread. As Greg can tell you, not everything is manufactured perfectly, and there are uh, errors and dyes get old and uh, threads get cut uh, automatically, sometimes perfectly, sometimes not. Uh, you may have had either a male thread on the dielectric union or the female thread on the uh, expansion tank. One of those could be just a little bit off. And, you know, your tape won't fill it. If pipe dope won't fill it, you know, and you have to tighten it down. I mean, sometimes you have to tighten those down pretty tight because you're a metal-to-metal fitting. So, yeah. uh, you know, you could put, you know, 80 foot-pounds on that thing and, you know, really tighten it down. But uh, I'm with you. I would, um, you know, after the second time of tightening it down, I'd be worried about splitting the, the uh, you know, the threads, the, the pipe or the expansion tank so you may have had a bum manufacturer on one of those products okay i was just wanting to double check make sure i didn't do something wrong no if you're doing pipe dope i mean i i do the same thing i i like the uh i like the plumber's tape but when you get to three quarter inch fitting of those deep um threads i drop back uh to a a pipe dope something that will fill that volume more um, and, and tighten it down quite a bit because they're not tapered. They're just straight, you know, seated. Uh, so I think you did the right thing. Um, but, uh, I'd rather see you approach it the way you did than split that, uh, expansion tank, uh, casting, <laughs> uh, and then you really have problems. No, I couldn't agree more with that. Ron, thanks so much for the question. Here's our uh, last break for the hour. We'll be back. You are listening to the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service on KMOX. We still got a few minutes. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. History is being made, and you're hearing it here. St. Louis's news, traffic, and weather, KMOX. Welcome back, everyone, to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service. 1249 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. Scott Mosby here answering all your questions. Back to the phones we go, and let's talk to Marla. Marla, you're up next on the Home Improvement Show. Marla, you there? Oh, oh, oh this is Carla. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead, Carla. Um, so quick question. I have like a, a living room with like 16 windows. They go up kind of high and arch. And I know that most of them probably need to be replaced. So it's a little overwhelming. I'm trying to figure out like what brands do you recommend? Is there a time of year that this project is usually done um, or that maybe specials are run or something like that? Just your general opinion on that. Uh, number one, Marla, uh, are these windows two stacked or three stacked tall? Um, yeah, like they go up and then there's a big arch at the top. Yeah. It, so this is what we call an atrium wall. How old is your house? Uh, 17 years. Okay, Marla, uh, you have, or Carla, you have a little bit more than that. Number one, 
Um, do this in the warmer months. I would start talking about it this spring. Uh, actually, there's no time other than now uh, better to start talking about it. But you have what's called an atrium uh, wall, and many of those atrium walls uh, suffer a lot of structural damage during window replacement because when you have every windows and every window and door leaks generally a bad age and the first one doesn't cause much but then you add the leaking top one to the window below and you can wind up with some serious uh, structural issues on there that uh, get difficult fast so I, I would recommend that the work be done uh, in the spring or the summer you know some warm month because you could have the you could have a, a big handful there and in fact the building code has changed for lateral wind loads to where some of these failed structural elements have caused a different way for the new homes to be built that can handle uh you know a big three-story uh, or two-story or three-story lateral wind load so uh spring or summer for the repair be prepared for surprises and uh, I would uh, certainly invite you to a window and door seminar two weeks from now at the Lodge of the Parrot uh, that uh, I'm offering. Uh, so it's a great place to talk about that. And window, um, this is one where 90% of the quality comes from the labor because if these windows get properly flashed, Carla, you'll wind up with windows that perform. If they're not, you can have the best, you can have NASA space shot quality windows and still have a leaking problem because uh, you have to realize the window uh, installer's skill level is not very high when it comes to flashing and structural elements. So be prepared for this to get deep. I would say a third of our atrium projects get uh, pretty hairy because of water infiltration and, and eventual rot. So um, I'd start now and start talking to various people because it's going to be who can handle a big structural problem if it occurs. Also, you be prepared for this to get uh, financially bigger than it may appear to you now. And in my world, the, the brand of window um, almost doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I'm going to pick the surgeon now instead of worrying about what scalpel he's going to use or she. Okay. Are there good warranties that come with the companies too then? I mean, based on that. Oh, absolutely. The window manufacturers will give you a great warranty on the window. The problem is there are not, and what I'm talking about here is labor warranty or performance warranties. Uh, so you will hear from the window folks that our window is this and it's zip-de-doo and it's triple insulated and it's the best window in the world, um, and it is. Uh, so those are pretty trustworthy on the warranties. The issue is, do you get a five or 10 year warranty on the installation? Because many of the better quality windows will have great features and a wonderful lifetime warranty, but the installation is not. And the big money that I'm talking about that could occur in this uh, replacement has nothing to do with the window itself, but all about how it's put in the labor quality and skill level of the technician. So, um, yeah, there, there are window warranties, and then there are installation labor warranties. So I would urge you on an atrium wall 
to get a really good warranty and, and, you know, go to battle with a company that's pretty deep in skills. Thanks, Carl. I appreciate the phone call. Scott, you know, you brought up a great question. I just want to add a, a comment to that about the installation uh, of the person that you choose to install those because they have to know it's more than just putting in the window, especially in that atrium, because if there's any rot between the windows or what structures hold that in, uh, as you said, it could cost double what you think it's going to cost. Yeah, well, it's got to work the same way in in car repair too, Greg. I mean, the easiest thing to sell is a product. The hardest thing to represent is the labor. Well, how do you know you get good labor or bad labor? Yeah, I I flashed it, but, you know, what did you flash it with? Was it 39 cent a roll scotch tape or was it $200 a roll flashing tape? So, you know, it's, it's the quality of the installation that brings lasting value or not so uh, this is what is the best window and are the warranties good all the um, sellers will tell you about their products very few will describe how deep and well skilled and uh, the installation and labor quality of what they're putting it together with so everybody wants to talk about the scalpel nobody wants to talk about the surgeon right well you know that's this is one of the things that that i equate to um you know, cheaper always isn't better in in this this type of uh, in in this type of improvement. Yeah, well, sometimes you can get away with just simple window replacements, but when you get to an atrium wall where you have triple opportunities for water holding and and breach, boy, do not uh, take that lightly. That's a big deal. They're wonderful walls. They are fabulous features when they work right, and when they go south, they go south fast and deep. Absolutely. Let's sneak in uh, Kevin real quick. Kevin, can you make it real quick for us here on the Home Improvement Show? I want to talk real quickly about a, a hot water heater. And mm-hmm. are there hot water heaters, other brands that are better than others, or is sometimes can it be like a simple fix? Like, say, like, if you're not getting enough hot water, you're taking a shower, is that a problem with the hot water heater temperature thing, or is it a problem with the unit itself? Oh, man. Uh, Kevin, um, there are uh, – do you know what an on-demand or an instant uh, tankless water heater is? Um, no, but I know it. I think it's a gas because I live in an apartment, so I think it's a gas water heater, and it's been in there for quite so many years. Well, I can tell you, when you live in an apartment or a builder-grade home – uh, typically, water you're going to get a standard water heater. There are high recovery water heaters that make hot water really fast. So a 40-gallon water heater may bathe a family of six if it's a very high recovery water heater. It's like a blast torch furnace that heats the water quickly. Or you have an economical water heater that has a low recovery, which basically means low capacity. You drain the 40 gallons and, you know, you might get another three or four gallons hot before you're, you know, so you wind up with that. Keep in mind the operating range of a 40-gallon water heater when it's brand new is 30 gallons. You only get 75% of its full rating when it's operating perfectly. So realize that there are better brands. Most of the professional plumbers are uh, using a better brand, um, and, and you'll see those from the plumbers. What gets sold at the big box stores may have brands in it, but as you notice, inside the Chevrolet brand or the Ford brand or any other brand, they have economical cars, and then they have higher-priced performance cars. So in water heaters, you get what you pay for, and that's exactly so. You are correct that uh, you can get a 40-gallon water heater that will bathe a family of six. 
you can also get the same one for a quarter of that price that will barely bathe one shower. You know, so it's all in the recovery method, the uh, quality, and then the bigger dollars have better, thicker tanks that are pressure tested with higher quality control. So good question. Good question. It's it's very deep. And what typically comes from a professional plumber who's bringing it and buying it to your house, you're going to get a better quality brand of, of water heater. And he, because he's got to put his name on it, his name's now on that water heater. He's not going to sell you or put in a cheap one. Kevin, great question. I appreciate that. Well, Scott, I got to tell you, every time we do the show, the time just flies by. It is unbelievable. Where can folks get a hold of you real quick? Uh, typically, Mosby Building Arts is my day job, 314-909-1800. Always call Mosby.com, www.callmosby.com. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Scott.